I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Hey, welcome back to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my best buddy, Chief John Sulka. And uh, we've got the, uh, uh, we got a, we got a show for you today. Um, uh, we'll, we'll kind of explain where we're going with this uh, in a moment um, uh, and why we're taking that particular direction. Um, but we're, we're going to talk about uh, 9-11. We're going to talk about uh, what happened 20 years ago and where we're at today. And uh, uh, John, you know, you and I, when we hit the 10 year mark, um, we did a show with you and um, uh, our, our good friend, we'll talk about Jay Jonas later on. And, you know, and, and if you remember, we took a different uh, path back then um, where instead of uh, like, we, like you said, you know, putting Jay and his crew and, his, you know, the guys back in the, in the, and with Josie back in the stairwell, we decided to talk about uh, those we lost and their impact on the fire service and their impact still to, you know, that day and so on and so forth. And here we are 20 years later and you and I had this conversation not too long ago and we end every one of our podcasts. Uh, we, 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 our, our podcasts, um, uh, our hump day hangouts with fire engineering our fire engineering command post podcast. Uh, and, and obviously here with old school, every single one of them, we always end with, you know, Never forgetting means just that. Never forgetting, and if you remember back, buddy, when when when, uh, and I'll just say when when your friends were murdered, um, and and so much talent was taken from us. I mean, from the moment that happened, there was that whole never forget, never forget. Uh, you know, our good friend uh, Chief Don Hade uh, brought me down there a couple of days later. I was in the rescue battalion, and he handed me a sticker that I still on my chief's helmet today. You know, was never you know never forget. And it had the patch and, you know, and, you know the, your logo and nine, you know, the whole date, you know, uh, 9-11, you know, a uh, one and just, and I remember that and it, and it impacted me the whole, you know, never forget thing. And and then, you know, me later on, it seemed like every year we kind of drifted away from it. We kind of, and, and kind of what we talked about before, we, we compared to the Pearl Harbor of our time of, well, we, we you know, we, we lower our flags that day and there's a few ceremonies and, there's generations that have no idea what happened. Um, so, so I guess the first thing, if you don't mind, um, the whole never forgetting means never forgetting, John. If you remember, I explained it once was, it, 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 I don't think it ever was about hatred, anger, um, uh, vengeance. It was about not forgetting what happened that day, uh, what the people of the FDNY uh, the, the fire patrol, NYPD, Port Authority, EMS, you know, what they all represented, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, buddy, it was like, hey, let, let's not forget why they responded there in the first place and what they were doing. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people thought 
the never forgetting was never forget that we're going to, you know, we're going to seek revenge. And, and it wasn't that it was, let's not forget the talent and, you know, explain again, you, you said this so, so very well way back when about, you call them uh, a career maker that, you know, guys looked at this and you know what, it's my job. I'm going back or I'm already there. And they doubled up our rigs. Um, you know, I guess that, that'd be the first thing. Just you, talk about your thoughts about the thought process of, of the FDNY that day during that, during that, during that the initial you know, phase of that incident. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, and like you said, it's been so long, so much has happened since then. Um, so many, I don't know, ideas and concepts and, and perspectives have changed over 20 years, even over 10 years, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, but over 20 years, things have, you know, for some people, for some people, things have changed. Now, what's interesting about a couple of the things that you just said was, was, you know, never forgetting means never forgetting 9-11 itself. All of those things mean different things to different people, you know, like, and you, you said, and I agree with you, there, there was never a vengeance or a, you know, like, and we almost admit that it was great when they got Osama bin Laden and it was great yeah. when they, you know, when the Marines went in or the Navy SEALs went in and got some of these big shots in the, uh, in, in that whole hierarchy of, of guys that were responsible for nine 11. However, that's never really what we're talking about in the fire department and the fire service, the FDNY or any other, or any other agency in any other city. Um, you know, on that day, you know, you, you know, we've all seen the videos, um, I mean, I was there. I wasn't there initially, like a lot of guys were, like like people like our friend Jay Jonas and Nick Visconti and 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 you know Ray Downey and a lot of other people were there early when it was absolutely unfolding earlier, uh, and, and and you can see by their faces, you can see by their conversations um, that it was even then it was really all about service. It was really all about helping the citizens, helping the customers, helping your fellow man. Um, I, I just saw one of the specials on TV. Um, it was a multi-night, a multi, multi-program series. And Jay Jonas was on it a couple of times. And um, my wife happened to catch it on TV. I, I didn't see it like I was waiting for it and watched it, but we saw it because it was on. Anyway, Jay Jonas at one, one point spoke about um, being there in the lobby with a couple of guys, Jerry Nevers being one of them by name, and how a couple of guys or somebody, and it doesn't matter who, in a small group of guys that he was standing with at that moment said, man, you know, this is, this is getting bad. So some of us might not get out of here today, you know, and, and they all, I don't think suddenly realized it, but I, but somebody finally said it. And again, this is my interpretation. Um, and they all sort of acknowledged it and shook their heads. And, and they, even at that point, I remember hearing uh, Jay say this, he said, and at that point, we actually, we went around the circle and shook each other's hands and said, good luck, brother. You know, I hope, hope we get to see you later, you know, and, and that was just the lead up. But the point is, and then he said, okay, six truck, let's go. We got work to do. And off they went. <laughs> and off everybody went. Everybody. All the companies are on up there. Squad one, rescue three, rescue two, you know, 10 engine, 10 truck. All the companies that went up did the same thing. Let's go. No stragglers, no discussion down on the, on the, on the, on the lobby. Gee, I'm going to go. No, you guys go and we'll stay down here. There was nothing. There was no yelling. There was no screaming. There was no... There were no debates. There were no issues. Everybody got their stuff and, and went up. And I'll tell you, like I've heard say many times by many people over the past 20 years in describing 9-11 and, and post 9-11, some guy said it was, you know, the most tragic, saddest day in their, in their career. 
but it was also one of the most inspiring and proudest days of their career as well. The way they saw everybody perform that day. And I couldn't, I couldn't really agree more. And I really couldn't find any words that, that better describe what happened that day than that. Then it was a probably tragic, most tragic, but also, you know, one of the most proud days we had in the FDNY. Well, and I remember saying, John, if you remember, I mean, from, from the beginning, when this was all unfolding, um, I, I remember saying, it, I just, I remember talking to my guys and I got, a, I got pretty loud. And I'm like, if you're not proud of, of what, what you do right now, if you're not proud of what the, and selfishly, we'll just talk about the fire service. Cause we know, you know, a bunch of Port Authority cops got killed and NYPD cops and EMS workers, so many other wonderful people and, and public servants, but selfishly, just speaking about the FDNY, about the fire service, I said, if you're not proud of what you do, you know, there was no yelling. There was no hollering. There was nobody out of control. After the first collapse, there were some elevated voices. I mean, by God, you know, 110 story buildings just collapsed and, and people were missing and radios weren't working right and stuff like that. But I don't know how you couldn't be proud uh, at, the, at that moment and days, weeks and months afterwards. And here we are 20 years later, as to how, like you said, John, the fire service and the FD in this particular case, the FDNY, um, because they said we, we, you know, we're going to talk a little bit, you know, a little bit about the Pentagon and Shanksville, about some, you know, some some folks there. But you're you're so right. It was, God, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy, um, horrific. Everything that happened, and your your heart hurts over it, and the the people that were stolen from us, the talent. But and, and I, I want to go back in time. I remember watching you in a news interview. I remember walking, I think you know where I'm going with this. I watched you in a news interview. And the question was, and people used to ask it all the time, but this news interview was, they, they asked Chief Salka, they said, so where, where, where do you go from here? You know, I mean, are you guys ever going to recover? Is the FDNY, you know, ever going to recover? I mean, what, where, where, where do you see yourself in the future? And I remember you, you, you put, you, you made this little, like uh, I don't want to call it a smirk, you know, like a little sideways little grin. And you, you remember what you said? You, you, want remember. Me, you want to beat me to the punch? Go ahead. If I remember correctly, I think I said we're going to be just fine. You said we're going to be just. You said we're going to be just fine. And 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 for some people, there was a needed explanation after, like, oh my god. You know, 343, you know, New York City firefighters, uh, Roma from the fire patrol number two, taken from Jersey City dispatcher, um, you know, a whole bunch of NYPD police officers at Port Authority, EMS workers, people at the Pentagon, people in Shanksville, and you're sitting there saying we're going to be just fine, and you had this relaxed look, but for those of us that knew exactly what you were saying, oh my God, here we are. And I want to be clear about that, because if somebody's listening to this, I want to be very clear. And there are a lot of people that are not just fine. A lot of FDNY families and FDNY oh. guys, there are guys that are sick, terribly sick right now from 9-11. There are, there are guys that are, that are, that are going to be dead in a year or two from now. There are guys who have died of post-9-11 illnesses that, that live five years or 10 years or 15 years after 9-11 and then came down with some you know, gigantically rare cancer or other illness that, that was traced back to um, 9-11. There are families that lost you know, their dads, their moms, some families lost their sons, both of their sons. Some, some families lost their, their husband and their, and their son. There are families that are not going to be just fine. They're, they're, and there are all sorts of 
personal stories about people and groups and companies and, and men and women that are not going to be just fine. What I meant when I said we're going to be just fine is the FDNY, the organization, the fire department of New York, the firehouses, the job that we do, the, the responses that we handle. That's what I was talking about. And I still stand by that statement because we are fine right now. The FDNY is fine. They, you know, Obviously, there are negative situations going on. There's the World Trade Center health situation going on that, that are treating lots of guys with both long and short-term illnesses. Um, and those things are what they are. And those people are not fine. So I don't, I don't want anybody to think that I'm speaking for every single guy in the FDMY is fine because it's not true. But, but the FDMY is back on track and has been for more than a couple of years now. You know, when we lost not just the 343 people that day, but we lost, you know, thousands of years worth of experience. And then a whole bunch of people retired after 9-11 within a year or two yeah. or three. And we lost a lot more seniority and, and, and experience. And you know what? And, and the organization has bounced back. The organization has trained new people and recruited new people and, and, and got new people into the ranks and, and, and life has gone on in the firehouses. You know, uh, there's some places you have to look around to find the memorial and there it is beautiful and, and solemn and, Everything else in the firehouse is going on like it did on September 10th. Well, know? and, and I'm, glad you, I'm glad you you explained it because that's where I was going with that, John, exactly was, you know, where it, it, it needed some explanation because there were people like, what do you mean you're going to be fine? And, you know, I, I, you, you said it perfectly. It, you know, the FDNY is an organization. They weren't going to fold up shop. They weren't going to fold up their tents. They weren't providing fire and EMS anymore. You know, it, it, in fact, if it was even possible, they even got better, you know, uh, how, how, you know, the, the lessons learned and things and stuff and equipment and, and so on and so forth. So, so exactly. That's where I was going with it. It, it, it you know, there was times where you need to explain, wait, 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 don't think for a moment that, you know, that comment means, ah, you know, like three or four, you know, no, you know, there, there was, there was, there was horrible things that went on then. And like you said, today, 20 years later, there's sicknesses, there's people still, being, being uh, punished uh, by, by the, by, you know, by the people that did that um, uh, today. Um, but, but look at, I mean, you know, just, I, I guess it just popped into my head, John, back then talk to me about the, the, the Marine division for the FDNY pretty much disappeared prior to, you know, September 11th back then. And, didn't they, didn't they put to work an old, uh, one of the old fire boats that had become a restaurant or a tour boat or something and pumped for like yes, yes. forever? Uh, well, what happened with the FDMY Marine Division, and, and, I'm no, and I'm no expert on that, but certainly it was slowly but surely over the years, you know, as you just said, disappearing. It, you know, companies were closing. There were at one time 10 fully active Marine companies in the FDMY. Fireboats with captains and lieutenants and firefighters and the whole sh the whole crew, the whole shift, all over the city, Manhattan and Brooklyn and Staten Island. And over the years, obviously the workload of those boats diminished because the uh, the port of New York, the harbor, New York Harbor, the the number of ships and the number of working piers all greatly diminished. Right, a lot of those right. companies started doing business in a different way with containers and from different locations and. And, and a lot of the old fashioned way of, you know, ships coming in and being loaded and unloaded and, you know, all the hazards that came with that sort of evaporated and disappeared. There were, there were not miles, but hundreds of vacant, empty piers. We used to have big pier fires when I was a young firefighter in the late 70s, early 80s. 
there were four or five alarm pier flyers, five alarm pier flyers. And Rescue One ended up developing an under pier firefighting team where they would float under the water with scuba gear on and hose lines to try and get the pier from underneath. And anyway, as a result of the, the runs and the work and the piers and all that diminishing, uh, so did the fire companies. We, we didn't have it. We were down to like two, maybe two active fire boats. One had recently been sold. So they had two active fire boats and there was a third one that had recently been disbanded or sold to be replaced. And it was still floating. It was still in service. It was in Midtown somewhere. And a group had bought it. And it was a, not a party boat, but you could rent it and go out. And they had a large tent on the back. And you could, you could have a wedding on this boat. It was almost like a small ship. Believe it or not, the guys that bought it were retired firefighters. They started that thing up. And they went down to the World Trade Center that day. And they tied up. And they went into pumps. And they supplied water for, oh, God, whether it was 24 or 48 or 36 hours. I can't quite remember. But it was days. They actually pressed them into service. It was an off-duty, a retired fireboat. So <clears throat> that's then. And now since then, and I, and I couldn't quote it because I don't remember, but it was certainly when I was on the job, and I'm retired now nine years, but it was when I was on the job. <clears throat> the whole Marine Division was, was, was reborn. They have dozens of boats now, dozens of the big boats. They got two gigantic boats, the Firefighter 2 and the, uh, the 343, two big, gigantic, modern ships firefighting ships that have all sorts of electronic and logistical and water and foam and hazmat capabilities. And then they have dozens of other medium-sized boats. You're talking in the 30, in the 30, 40 foot range, pretty big boats, rescue boats that, that can, that can go out and, and make water rescues and do firefighting in smaller uh, venues. And then, you know, a bunch of smaller boats as well. There's a, there's a Marine battalion that has a boat that goes out and, wow. and, and can, can do the work of a battalion out in the uh, in the harbor. So the Marine Division has, has gigantically uh, uh, bounced back and, and evolved as a result of, I don't want to say the poor performance because there wasn't a poor performance. They performed very well for what they had been reduced down to before 9-11. But the uh, need uh, became obvious on 9-11 that we needed to, to resurrect, to resurrect the Marine Division to, to a, be a viable arm of the FDNY. Well, the Marine Division was, was one area, like you said, um, you know, and you look at, I guess I look now and granted there would have been some, some progresses made with protective clothing and everything, regardless, you know, because that's the fire service. If you look at what we wore a hundred years ago compared to now. And I mean, you know, we're always looking to improve and, and get, well, how can we get better? So, so, but there's so many things that changed um, within the fire service as a whole, and especially in the FDNY after that, um, you know, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another thing. Uh, apparatus, you know, apparatus. We we would, you know, gigantically. We took a big hit on apparatus destruction on 9/11. Engines and trucks, and you know, chiefs' cars and special units, rescue trucks. And there were a couple, and they were found, right? There were a couple that were destroyed beyond beyond being found. Yeah, they probably found pieces of them, but I don't know if they ever put them together. Um, and there's still pictures of apparatus, and I think there are still some damaged apparatus stored in a couple of different places. But the point was, it left us dramatically shorthanded on apparatus not like we couldn't perform duties every day but where you normally had this many rigs and then this many spares etc a lot of that can't used up a lot of the spares had to be pressed into service as as active units again because so many rigs have been destroyed well that's all been obviously and and mcdonald who uh, who ran the shops back then did some job over the course of a couple of months and in, in the first year and again i don't know the exact time period but he did a great job restoring the fleet and not only did they restore the fleet, they made some changes to the fleet. Um, like engines carry two or three sections of hard suction now, right? 
whereas right. engines used to have like one one soft connection and one hard connection. You couldn't even draft with it because most places you couldn't reach the water. And now yeah. every single engine that is that is produced and, and put in service is capable of drafting from almost any drafting site in the city. Again, another assurance of of, of water, even if we lose our, our you know domestic water supply. Um, you know, tower ladders, engines. That, but but in addition, they they um, reinforced the and they, we now have reserve engines and reserve trucks, not spares. Spares are rigs that are used and in decent shape and they hold them in reserve and not reserve it as a spare unit. And when a rig breaks down, they can be pressed into service for a day or a week until that first line rig is repaired and put back to service. These rig are reserve units, the 500 series for engines and 700 series for trucks. And they're fully equipped. They're ready to go. They're in a firehouse stored, full of fuel, SCBAs, tools everything is stored in a in a big, big gigantic toolbox right there in the apparatus all locked up and, no, and nobody the, grabs stuff off that for other no, because it's start. all locked up it's all yeah. locked up the hoses on the engines you know but the rest of the stuff is all pretty much secured and nobody would anyway because then you're defeating the purpose right but it should something gigantic occur even even if it was uh, civil disobedience or rioting or whatever it could be never mind a natural occurrence like a hurricane or or a terrorist incident the, the fdny can press into service 10, 15 engines, 10, 15 trucks with the snap of a finger. Guys can be hired, show up at this firehouse and put that rig in service. The radios are there. Everything is ready to go. They got to climb on the rig, pop, the, pop the, the toolbox open, take out the SCBAs, take out the tools, and drive out the door with, with their new identity. So we can very quickly augment the already gigantic fleet of FDNY by, by these reserve rigs, which that whole concept was, was born with 9-11. Well, and, and this kind of carries into what we said about never forgiving means never forgetting. And by you, you know, saying we're going to be fine. I mean, you know, again, not the hor- horrible things people are going through with cancer and sicknesses and all the rest of the stuff. And, you know, some, some bad things, you know, we're going to actually talk about a memorial when it comes to that. But the things that have changed, uh, they, they just posted the other day. Did you see the post with the, uh, what is it? 60, is it 65? I might be off the number 65 legacy. Yeah, I forget the number, but I, I saw the post and I saw the picture and I saw some of the comments and interviews. Oh, it was it was just, you know, and I was looking because, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I mean, I, I lost some good friends, but obviously nowhere ever, ever will be close to what you lost in friendship and, and co-workers and peers and, you know, subordinates and bosses and so on and so forth. But you know, Kevin Smith's daughter, Kevin was with, with the hazmat uh, unit. And I remember him coming to the university of Illinois to do the, you know, when Eddie, I t- you heard me tell a story about Eddie Switowski, God rest his soul. He was killed in line of duty up in Const- Comstock Township, Michigan. Talked me to go into that chemistry for hazardous materials for, you know, for a firefighter. I'm like, what am I doing here? And one of the national fire Academy adjunct instructors was Kevin Smith off a of hazmat one. And oh my God, did we go back and forth with, you know, his New York accent, everybody's Illinois, Chicago accent. I remember him walking in, John, real calmly, went up to the dry race board and he wrote, this is a borough, this is a borough, this is a roof, this is, rough is what your dog says, roof is what we ventilate. And he went back and we were rolling, he was going back and forth. And and I, and I remember I was pretty frustrated because I didn't take chemistry classes in high school, so I was struggling. And he he just, he spent so much time with me. He was He was just awesome. You know, people like him and one of his bosses, Jack Fanning, the battalion chief, but his daughter, his daughter's on the job as well, as well as a bunch of, it was a really, the picture was, 
it was pretty, it was pretty dramatic. And, uh, and I will say this, if I can use that word, it was, I, and I don't mean it the wrong way. It was, you know, it was kind of cool to see the legacies of firefighters, you know, how proud they have to be, you know, uh, as you say, on the top floor, you know, to be going, my kid, my kid's on a job now, my kid, you know, just car- carrying on, you know, everything. I just got, I just, what a great post that was, um, you know, the, the other day, I just thought, I thought I, how wonderful that, you know, and, and you guys, you know, you've do, you, you guys do like, um, what's it called? Like your legacy program or whatever for firefighter, police officers, kill line duty. There's some preference there points wise, um, when it comes to testing, right? Once they pass. Right, right. If a guy takes a test, uh, he gets an extra, uh, they call them legacy points, um, an extra five points. Um, and, and what what I thought was really great about that whole legacy uh, post and the issue, the the issue of, of, of legacy people, sons and daughters on the FDNY. Um, and, and if you read it carefully, you saw some of them were, some of them were the men that were killed on 9-11. And some of them were, were the folks like, my friend Ray Phillips, who died years later of of nine eleven related illnesses. Well, look at look at, and I know you know we could talk about this because it was proven, but you know the 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 lies that were said to you guys to everybody working there at the beginning. Uh, you, what you're breathing in is okay. You guys will be okay, and so on and so forth. And then to find out that wasn't true, and and you do a presentation on it. Um, you know that I've sat through oodles of times where you talked about okay, it was a 16-acre site, seven World Trade Center buildings, the buildings surrounding it, and then you talk into the hundreds of thousands of square feet of of glass, um, concrete, um, furniture, tele everything, and it was all pulverized. I remember you talk about you may have found a shoe, but you didn't find a table leg, a desk leg, a chair. You didn't find anything. So the clouds that everybody saw on TV was. That, that was pulverized concrete. Some of it was human remains. It was, it was furniture. It was, it was, it was everything you could think of that you guys were breathing in then and breathing in later. And now the repercussions, you know, you know, some, I mean, the numbers are going to well exceed the 343. And the, I think it already has on the police on, on the NYPD Port Authority because their numbers are a little bit smaller. Um, the, the the effects and, and and some of it john not just being the horrible cancers that people are getting all kinds of cancers there's so many sicknesses guys lungs that just are given out and things just you know that back then you're so passionate about wanting to make a difference after everybody was gone and you knew that it was a recovery now you want to do the right thing and and get everybody home to their families you know that kind of stuff and you know and, and grant there were face masks the hell look what we're going through right now with covid and whether masks work or not and all that stuff, let alone what you guys were wearing back then, if anything, at first, um, you know, right now, I just, it just breaks your heart to see. And, and I guess, you know, I'm kind of bouncing around here with it. Cause I always get emotional talk about this, but you know, if, if we, if we stay away from, you know, the horrible, horrible events that unfolded like that day, like we talked about with Jay a while back, let's not go back into the stairwell Let's talk about where the FDNY is now. It was 10 years. Now it's 20 years, just like you've been doing, John. And then some of the people, um, uh, you know, how I, I have to tell, I, and I'm going to, if you don't mind me, I got to tell the Billy McGinn story with the pizza. You know, for, for, our, for our listeners, um, John and I, when we were teaching at FDIC, we still teach there, but we had our hands-on program. 
I think we were up to what, 26 instructors, buddy, like to total. And my guys, John's guys, and, you know, John had a bunch of obviously FDNY guys. And, uh, you know, we had some Chicago guys and Billy McGinn, you could talk about Billy's, uh, uh, well, to actually talk about Billy's, how did you meet Billy? Yeah, Billy was a, uh, Billy was a pro. We got appointed to 11 Trump where I was a firefighter at the time. I had transferred in there from elsewhere and um, Billy got there and I, I was just a, I was just a young guy with a couple of years on the job and uh, Billy got there. He was a college graduate. I think from, I think from a, one of the nice city universities, he had quite a degree. I think he was had an engineering degree, quite a, quite a sharp young man. And of course I was like, you know, who's this young punk, you know, he's got a college <laughs> degree and, you know, go watch the rig, young, young punk, you know, anyway, uh, he'd come in the kitchen in the morning, you know, with a, with a bag of bagels and put them on a table and take a jacket off and sit down. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm going to cut up some bagels for the, for the brother. No, you're not. You're going to go check the rig. Get out there. Check the rig, bro. You know, we had a rocky start, but we ended up hitting it off very well. And uh, and we followed each other around. So, I mean, I eventually left rescue. Uh, I left the 11 truck and went to rescue tree. Um, got promoted out there and went to a squad. He left the 11 truck and went to a squad as a firefighter. And make a long story short, I ended up as lieutenant squad one. He ended up as a firefighter squad one. I, I called him up and said, we got some openings here. Come on over. So we came. Then I got promoted out of squad one as a lieutenant. I went to captain. I went up to the Bronx, the 48 engine. You know what? A few months later, he got promoted lieutenant. I told him, hey, I got a lieutenant spot in 48 engine. And he, and, and, and he got the spot up there. So we worked in three companies. I together. didn't know he was, in, he was in 48 engine? He was a lieutenant in 48 I engine. I didn't Absolutely. know that. I knew he was the well, lieutenant. Lieutenant 18 squad that day on 9-11, but I didn't know he was oh, a lieutenant. Yeah. No, no, he was a lieutenant in 48. Well, he was one of my one of my lieutenants. Oh. We had a great, a great company. I got promoted to chief, and I left. And, and he actually left along with Andy Fredericks and, and, and one or two other guys. And they went into, into special operations when they started all the new squads. So they, they were some of the one of the original members of squad 18 when they turned AD and engine into squad 18. Billy McGinn was one of the original lieutenants. And he went down with Andy Fredericks. And another coincidence there, so we were in – 11 truck together. We were in squad one together. We were 48 engine together. Then we left and we went our separate ways and we still both ended up in 18. He ended up in squad 18. I ended up in a one eight battalion, which is pretty coincidental. Well, so to continue your story. So Billy McGinn was, was my, he was my, uh, you know, not my protege. He was one of the young guys that, that I worked with in several different companies. We, we were, we were very, very same minded on a lot of things. And uh, of course he liked his, uh, he was one of our instructors down there at the FDIC great instructor, a natural, you know, and as you said, we used to treat our guys. We get our 24, 26 instructors <laughs> together. And uh, at the Hampton Inn, they had a second floor, like a social room with a TV. And we would do, nice we would do Bucas, Bucas Sunday night. And then the Hampton Inn room on Monday. The Hampton night. Inn, we'd order a bunch of pizzas <laughs> and everybody would bring, you know, coolers with beer and soda and ice and stuff like that. And Billy McGinn always ordered, always loved that, that uh, pineapple, Well, you know, and, and if, it was funny because Richie Blattis, your, your buddy Richie Blattis used to tell the story because he, I remember watching it unfold where you and I would order like, um, like 600 chicken wings and like 25 pizzas, you know, and the guys would do their beer and stuff because you, you and I don't drink. But anyway, and they're going through the boxes and Billy opens up the box. I remember he opened up the box. He's standing with, 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 with Richie and he goes, who the who the F put pineapple and Canadian bacon on my damn pizza? And he takes a bite of it. Remember, he takes a bite and he goes, hey, this shit's pretty good. And 
And, and so every year after that, remember Richie would go, hey, we got to remember, we got to order a Billy pizza. Don't forget to order Billy pizza. He loves that pineapple and ham on the pizza thing. So we always had to make sure we ordered a Billy pizza, Billy, you know, and, and coincidentally, John, when we did our one year um, 9-11 uh, memorial in Louisville, Texas, um, and, and after that, a bunch of the pizza places in town decided for that day and that on September 11th to rename their Hawaiian pizzas, the Lieutenant Billy McGinn pizza, and the proceeds generated from the sales were sent to the FDNY, the Byrne Foundation, who I think what you, you even helped me nice. pick that. Nice. And so it was kind of, I had to explain, we did our very, our memorial and I mean, Billy Goldfeder was there and uh, Chief Killen, the president of iChiefs was there. And we had obviously a huge turnout to, to pay tribute to those that were lost. And at the very end, one of the things that it, it's all I want to talk about Billy is I'd ask people, I know it's morning and we'd like you to stick around for some coffee and, you know, you know, some water and, you know, some, some, you know, we've got, uh, you know, some, some things to snack on, but we also want you to, to join us in a slice of, of, of pizza of Billy McGinn, Lieutenant Billy McGinn pizza. Cause they sent over like 30 boxes for people. It was just, and I think in that story, and I just, I smile. I'm like, we were eating Billy McGinn pizza in Louisville, Texas, it all started because someone ordered, and Richie's the one. Richie's the one that ordered. He ordered the pizzas for you. He's mm -hmm. the one that ordered the damn. I still can't come to grips with Hawaiian pizza. Who puts pine? And I gotta tell pizza? you, and I gotta tell you, to this day, if I go somewhere and I see pizza with the pineapple on it, oh, I just think of Billy McGinn. I think <laughs> I think of him probably a dozen or two dozen times a year just on that account. Never mind all the other times I think about. <laughs> well. And I remember we, we, we've told that story umpteen times. And, uh, you know, I talked about Kevin Smith and going back and forth with the Chicago versus New York accents when he came to U of I for, you know, the hazmat class. And we've talked about Patty Brown before. And my friendship with Chief Dennis Cross when he was in the uh, 57 Battalion with John Cullen, you know, we've told that story of me riding on 235 engine and going to like 14 fires in 12 hours and 2.30 in the morning. Remember John going, hey, Rick, show my guys a handcuff knot thing, you know, from the saving the handcuff. And I said, the Nance drill thing. And I remember 2.30 in the morning, Chief Cross is standing there in his bunker pants. And, and John and his guys are yanking guys up through the pole hole <laughs> in the firehouse, through the fire pole hole, doing that. And 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 obviously Chief Cross, when he was acting deputy that day, right? He was acting deputy. Yes, he was. He was the only, the only deputy killed, yes. Yeah, and uh, what a wonderful... I got to tell you another Dennis Cross story that I may or may not have ever told you before. So the first time I ever rode on an FDMY rig was a 102 truck, ladder 102 in Brooklyn. My neighbor, Louis Garcia, who was a firefighter there at the time, and later went on to be a firefighter in Rescue One, and then started taking tests with the fire marshal, became a fire marshal, then became a lieutenant, then became a supervisor fire marshal. He went back and forth. He ended up as the chief fire oh, marshal. You, wait, 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 wait. Yes, you, you, you put, you connected me with um, my guys from Louisville went and rode out. Remember, they went at the, the, the our, our fire marshal's office, our arson investigators went, you actually set it up through him and they went and rode okay. out down there. I remember now. And, and he lived on my block, him and his wife and his couple of young kids who are now, you know, adults. And, um, and I used to ride down there and talk to him. I knew he was a city fireman. I was always interested in that. And, and I forget how old I was, but I was old enough to, to take a ride with him. He said, hey, you want to come in one night? So I, I, I don't remember. It was the summertime. It was nice weather. I remember that. I rode into the city with him. And 
I rode with 102 truck. I rode in the, and I rode next to who were we just talking about? Dennis, Dennis Cross. <laughs> Dennis Cross was a lieutenant at Holy the time cow. of 102 truck. Louis Garcia was in the back. I'm sitting next to Dennis Cross in 102 truck. Of course, he would never ever remember me. That was a full 40 something years ago now, right? And and it really, in retrospect, it didn't mean anything back to me then because I really didn't know who he was. I remembered him. And then he became a captain. He was the captain of 102 truck. And then he I think he was the chief in a 5-7 battalion. And, you know, and the rest of the story is history. But uh, amazingly, my first ride in an FDMY truck was 102, <laughs> was 102 truck. Was he a and, calm dude or what? He was. Yeah, I, he had a great, great reputation. As oh. I said, I didn't really know him. I knew a lot about him. I knew of him. But he had a fantastic – listen – I don't know too many guys in the FDNY, and frankly, I don't know too many guys in fire departments anywhere that 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 don't have good reputations. But he certainly had an excellent reputation, like well, a lot of. Others. And I've got him on video because I was videotaping everything. And he goes, he, I remember he goes, "Hey Rick, come on, you want to go to all hands fire with me?" I'm like, "Yeah, chief." I remember going out, responding with him in the battalion buggy, and videotaping him. And he was just, he was another guy that was just. I think stuff could be exploded next to him and he would just, I don't think he'd raise an eyebrow. He would just go, all right, I got to handle that. And I, he was just a cool dude. He was just a, what a gentleman. Well, that, that's yep. like you guys. I've, I, you know, yep. the FDNY guys were, I mean, it, it's, it's meeting, you know, talk about gentlemen meeting Pete Yancey. I did the, uh, I did the, the keynote for February, 2001, obviously right before nine 11 uh, at FDIC on pride and ownership. And I remember, I was honored because Jack, our good friend Jack Murphy goes, come on backstage, Rick. He goes, someone wants to meet you. He goes, you really moved someone. I said, what? He goes, Pete Gaines, my friend Pete Gancy, chief of the FDNY. And I'm like, oh, really? So in the back, that picture we have that you see of us in the back hallway next to the green room with the uh, fire door, you know, do not open sign behind us that you see back there in that little hallway was, was, was Pete Gancy another gentleman and he and, and john i remember him just talking going god we need this we need to hear about this the, the, the whole pride and the ownership and god he goes i needed to hear it we need you know just and I, and then you know he became i guess i would say unofficially my mentor anytime I, I would call him anytime you know it wasn't all the time but what an absolute gentleman never forgot my name um you know just you know we, we've Great talked story. about Great story about Pete Yancey that I've heard told many times. Uh, and, and I don't mind repeating stories like this, even though I don't know the authenticity of it. It's a good positive story. So I, I, I have no problem sharing it. Supposedly, you know, after 9-11 happened, some of Pete Yancey's neighbors, you know, where he lived, out in Long Island, <laughs> you know, expressed not disbelief, but but they were surprised. They didn't realize that, that Pete Yancey was the chief of department. Five stars, the highest ranked, probably the highest civil servant in New York City at the time, because he had a he had a habit of just introducing himself when people said, "Oh, hi, I'm I'm Joe. I just bought a house down the block, and you know, I I see you live here. You've been here for a while. Yeah, you know, we've been here for about twenty years. Oh, and and what do you do? I'm a fireman in the city. You say I'm a fireman in the city. He wouldn't say I was the chief of the department, which, which again is is a is a is a trait that lots of firefighters have. They're pretty modest, you know, and. Uh, and I thought that was that was pretty interesting and cool and a nice lesson for some young guys, you know. Well, and you know what? I stole that from him because when people, when I would meet people somewhere, you know, and they'd go, oh, my, you know, my kids at, 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 on the Louisville fire. Oh, really? Can I my shirt? On the Louisville, yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm a firefighter and I love it. And I just never, I never said, well, I'm the fire trader for just, you know, I just, 
that kind of thing. I mean, the, the title follows you after you've done it for so long, but you know, you and I just, you know, we're, we're not that way. Like some other folks who said before, but Pete, God, what a, another, another gentleman, Ray Downey. Uh, my dream was to go to Yankee stadium, being a, being a white Sox fan, being, being, you know, old Comiskey park and playing with the Sox a little bit and all the different things. But, you know, you're in New York. How do you not go to Yankee Stadium? Oh, my holy God. Especially, you know, back the old park, the park, the, the stadium, the, the, the house that Ruth built, you know, that whole thing. And I remember FDIC, John, the FDIC uh, uh, planning meetings was like, it was like Camp FDIC. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't leave. We were at the IBM uh, Palisades uh, Business Center, Palisades. You know, no, nobody's allowed, unless you wanted a field trip, you weren't allowed. And Steve Bass goes, Hey, buddy, my, my buddy, Steve Bass, from De- he was a deputy with Dallas, right? Longtime chief in Grapevine, Texas. He goes, hey, buddy, I, I got us two tickets to the, to the Yankee game. The Yankees are playing the Texas Rangers tonight. I've never been a Yankee. I'm like, oh, man, I'd love to go. How, how, how do we get out of here? You remember you telling this story? I go, how do we? So that night, that evening, they're marching us down the hallway like they would. Like It's like Chow's on. Everybody's walking down the hallway after a meeting. And I'm talking to Ray. I go, Ray, I don't know what to do. He goes, you go to the you go to the Yankee game. He goes, tell you what, I'll cover for you. You remember the story? We're walking. He says, you and Steve walk together as we're walking. All of a sudden, he leans over. He pops a side door open, <laughs> an exit door, and kind of holds it open. And we 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 sneak out this side door. Everybody else keeps marching on their way down to the you know where dinner was, and Steve and I walk outside. We had to catch some kind of public transportation bus that took us to the GW. We got on a, br- a bus, took it to the South Bronx. I kept telling Steve, you know, he goes, buddy, I've never been to Bronx. I said, just act like a cop. Look, we look like, just act like a cop. And we got down there. Oh my God. It was just, and we ended up taking the subway back. It was quite the adventure, but I had, I would have never went to my first Yankee game if it wasn't for, for Ray Downey. And that's, that's like such a small minuscule story about the impact he had on my life. Um, one of the things, John, that amazed me and, and, and Rosie, his wife used to say, oh, I used to think he was going to get in trouble all the time. And he would just kind of look at me and go, nah, like Kevin Shea, our good friend, Kevin Shea, that, you know, the, everybody knows him from the rescue on Broadway. What a lot of them don't remember, John, is the February 26, 1993 World Trade Center bombing. He f- making a rescue in the park. In fact, a lot of what they model Joaquin Phoenix's rescue and stuff in Ladder 49 was off of Kevin, you know, making the rescue in the parking garage, right? And he fell like four stories and shattered his legs and called the mayday. And you remember, he he was never going to be able to come back to work fully because he would have he he couldn't crawl, and he he was sitting really close getting promoted to lieutenant. And I remember Kevin telling the story. He says, "Yeah, he goes, they they weren't going to make me." He goes, "Yeah, I have to be full duty to get promoted." Yeah. He says, "I'm not dead. They're not going to give it to me because I'm dead." He goes, "I'm alive." He goes, "But I can't crawl." So what did Ray do? Ray put him on the one boat that didn't require crawling. And he, you know, position, he, he stuck him there and worked. He did it for three months, got promoted, then he retired. And then his wife was telling me, Ray's wife was telling another story about, yeah, another guy that was safe stuff. So Ray created the position of boiler inspector, <laughs> boiler inspector for the, for the, for sock. And this guy would drive around just to keep him on the books long enough, you know, I mean, you want to talk about a boss taking care of his guys. Um, nothing illegal, nothing improper. 
you know, he was well within his means to do that. But some guys would have just wrote you, all right, John, you can't do it. All right, well, buddy, we'll throw you a party. Best of, you know, I, you know, you want to talk about, about a guy that was very creative as how he took care of his people was, was, and what an incredible, you and I have talked about it in class. How about it? We tell people, you know, there's, we've mentioned several people that you should emulate people. You should, I always talk about Jack Caslin and Eddie Enright, people like that, Tommy Trevino. We, we talk about Patty Brown, you know, we talk about Pete Yancey, Billy McGinn, Jay Jonas, Dennis Cross. And we talk about Ray Downey, you know, the leadership traits, you know, John, nowadays people are struggling. I don't know. I understand why they're struggling to find a good mentor. Some of the model themselves after I'm like, they're right in front of you. Read, read stories about Ray Downey, read stories about, listen to what we're talking about. These guys, the legacy they left will never, ever go away. Andy Fredericks is still teaching. It's 20 years, John, and Andy Fredericks is still teaching. 20 years, John, and he's still teaching the fire service. You know, the legacies that are out there, your friends, you know, my friends, mentors, people I was honored to call friends and mentor. It's it's unbelievable. Here we are 20 years later, and they're still imp- impacting the fire service and people around. And, 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 and let me just throw this in there. So you talk about Ray Downey, you talk about Peking, you talk about Billy McGinn, you talk about Andy Frank, you talk about Jay Jonas. Jay's still with us, you know, obviously, thank God. We, we, and Dennis Cross. You, all of a sudden, you start thinking about how they were as family men, family people, you know, husbands and fathers and uncles, and in some cases, grandfather. It's like, look, if you want to model yourself and emulate the, the real thing, the whole package, not just... Hey, I want to be a good firefighter, a great firefighter. So I want to be like Billy McGinn. You you want to be a great father. You you want to be a great father. Then then you know you need to be like like you know Ray Downey. You want to be a great husband. You have to be like Andy Fred. You know what I'm saying? I think there's the right. whole package, your buddy, you know, right? And you noticed it, and I noticed it, and probably a lot of our listeners noticed it as well. You know, when you meet and work with and and idolize or you know respect your officer, you know, one of the senior people that you work with, when you recognize, you know, quality people at the firehouse, when you say, wow, that guy, you know, that guy, Richie, you know, is, is a great, he's a great senior man. Uh, most of the time, those guys are great fathers and husbands and, and, and uncles and, and neighbors. And, you know, I got to tell you, I, I talk about my friend, Pete Castellano here. Pete's in 27 truck. He's a great guy. He's assistant chief in the volunteers. He's like my right-hand man. He does everything. There's nothing this guy doesn't do. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't figure out. There's nothing he can't tune up. There's nothing he can't fix. He's, he's absolutely amazing. And he's the same way at work. And he's the same way at home. He's the same way down at the firehouse. He's, you know, if he had a side job working in a garbage truck, he'd be the same way there. He'd be the same way there. And, and that's, that's a very common trait. Some guys are more extreme than others. Some guys are better than others. But, but even the guys that are at the lower end of it are still great guys. And they're still tremendously talented and and their uh their excellence is not just at the firehouse it's it's just sort of built into them it's it's you know they got it growing up they were raised they were raised properly lived in good neighborhoods had great parents or great people that raised them and it shows and it shows and and i'm just really thankful you know and 9-11 just happens to bring it up because they were on display that day right but i'm I'm just thankful a lot of those kind of people are attracted to the fire service because it's where i spent my life where I spent my life working and, I'm so, and, I, and it was a great place to hang around with quality people that, that, that would, frankly, they would give their lives for you. People say, Oh, this guy will give you a shirt off your back. Guess what? 
I work with people that give that give their life for you. They're going to shred off their back, you know. Well, and, and you said qual- quality people. You said that, and John, you and I both get emails from 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 attendees, from people who attend conferences with us. I go, you know, Chief Salka, Chief Last Guy. You know, I, I'm, I'm a small department and I really don't have the mentorship here. There's not that many people, you know, younger department, you know, what can I do to, to seek out that mentor or that person impact? And I'm going, and I, and I, a lot of times I know you do the same thing. I go, they're there. They're there. You just, you just, you just absolutely defined, you know what I'm saying? I think we both did. They're all there. They're in the fire service. Look around. There's incredible moms and dads and husbands and wives and, and, brothers and sisters, like you said, people that wouldn't just give you the shirt off their back, but would give give you, give their life for you, you know, um, absolutely incredible people. And sometimes I think we get caught up in the, the whole, you know, super sensitive, get all butthurt, uh, personal feeling stereotype, you know, everybody's got the tattoos and the t-shirts and the whole brother sister thing. And you've heard me say sometimes where I've said, some people can find the word brotherhood and there's a her, my brotherhood. They couldn't find a word brother with two hands, a flashlight, and a C&I dog. You know, they all talk of a game. I think we need to get back to, you know, you know, one of the things that I took out of 9-11, you know, 20 years ago, John, and you, you were on the show with Jay Jonas when we talked about it. Jay was very passionate about it. It's okay to say I love you to a, a fellow firefighter. You know, it's okay to say I love you, brother, love you, sister. I remember Jay, Jay zoomed in. Remember, he, zero, he goes, yes. He goes, we need to say that more. We need to appreciate each other more. Put aside your petty bullshit differences. Put aside the penny ante, you know, learn how to forgive, unload the rocks. You know, this is the coolest thing in the world. It could be gone tomorrow. You could be gone tomorrow. You know, don't waste a minute. Don't waste a second of it being angry or vengeful or whatever with each other. You know, be the kind of firefighter you tell people you are. Be the kind of officer in chief that you tell people you are. And, and be the, you said, I want to, I'm going to finish that part with it. You said it, be the quality, the quality person that you either want to be or say you are. And, and I think, John, that's the fire service. I'm sitting here right now thinking of selfishly, some of the volunteers I work with at Wichita West here, unbelievable, incredible people. You know what I'm saying? The people I had in Louisville and Coeur d'Alene, you know, when I, when I, in Illinois, um, there's, God, there's people going through my head right now that were just, I learned so much on how to be a father from, from some of these people, how to be a husband and how to be a son better. I mean, there was things I was actually ashamed of going, God, I haven't been the best son in the world. I, I need to pick up the phone, call my mom. You know, I need to do, and I learned this stuff from, from firefighters, from officers, from people around the firehouse. Um, you know, so, so you know what, 20 years 20 years is a career. 20 years is a long time. Um, you're right. And I'll go back to it. The FDNY, you know, as a department is just fine. Um, yep. If yep. you care enough about each other, you know, to do, you'll continue to support those that are fighting their own battles, whether it's PTSD related because of everything or cancer or sickness from the World Trade Center or the Pentagon, you know, it was horrible what happened at Shanksville. I mean, that whole day, um, you know, at the time, and we need to get back to it, it's better as a country, John. You know, we, you know, people saw the sacrifices that were made and felt the hurt and said, we got to be a better people. We got we to be better at what we're doing. Um, so I guess my thing as a firefighter, you know, if, if we had a group of people sit in front of me, that would be my thing. Sit down and reflect for a moment. 
you know, hold off, before, you know, next time you get ready to put that t-shirt on, think about what it represents and the people it represents. And, 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 you know, what happened to the memorial stickers, the 9-11 stickers, the decals on your engine, your ladder truck, what happened to the stuff on the wall of the firehouse? You know, you don't have to paint the whole side of the rig, red, white, and blue, Louisville, Texas. You look at the place that still put a memorial, you know, as long as we mention their names, they will never be forgotten. You know, and, and I think that brings us back to what we started with, John. Never forgetting means never forgetting. And and not just the tragedy, but all the stuff that you you brought, you said things so perfectly a little while ago, just how we should feel. And and I'll, I'll be honest with you, John, and, and I'm going to go back to you. I tease your class all the time because you're a famous, you know, famous TV star from Chicago Fire. But uh, for our listeners, if you have a chance go back and watch the episode about 9-11 on Chicago Fire. Our good friend, Steve Chikorotis, we love Steve, retired deputy district chief of Chicago, great firefighter and fire ground officer and technical advisor for all the movies and TV shows, especially Chicago Fire. That If you want an explanation of how you should feel, I know it's a TV show, but a lot of that stuff was written by firefighters. Um Watch that. I mean, John, I'm telling you, it helped me deal with some stuff, you know, about how to deal with loss, especially when he explains firefighters aren't used to failing. I mean, and, and, and he thought he failed, right? He thought, you know, we didn't find anybody like this and that, so so forth. But, you know, what happened days, weeks, months, and years after that uh, changed us as a service change. I, I, I don't know. It just, you know what, their, their deaths weren't, in, they weren't vain. They'll, they'll never be forgotten. In my world, they'll never be forgotten. It's on my challenge coin. It's on the back of my challenge coin. Never forgetting means never forgetting. Um, and and that, that's that's where we're at. I think you described it perfectly, buddy. And, and we didn't have to go back to that day and talk about, you know, the rescue attempts and the horrible things. We've spent enough time talking about that. We talked about where your department is today where they progressed over the years. And we talked about some pretty special people. Now, John, there's two, two memorials I want you to mention. The FDNY's memorial and then uh, your own personal memorial where you're at. The FDNY, for our listeners, explain what real briefly what goes on in New York City. Where do they hold that? Yeah, there's an FDNY memorial on 100th Street and Riverside Drive. And for the past I'm not sure. It's, 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 it's not 20. Maybe it's 19. Uh, I shouldn't say it's not 20. I just don't know what it is. But it's most of the time since 9-11 until now. Believe it or not, the firefighters and company officers, a group of, of members in my battalion, the 18th Battalion back then, had the forethought and the planning and the enthusiasm to get together, fill out the permits, and they started running a, a, a memorial at the Firefighters Monument at 100 Street and Riverside Drive every year on September 11th at the time that it was occurring, eight something in the morning, 846. Um, and since then, they've never missed a year. It's run by firefighters every year. They continue to get the permit. If I, if I, if I have it correctly, if you had the permit last year, you get first shot at getting again next year. If you miss a year, then it's up for grabs or whatever, but they've never missed a year. They have all the flags. They made their own podium. They have their own music. They have connections with the Marines. Obviously, Wally Powers was a Lieutenant Colonel in 58 truck, firefighter from 58 truck. He's got a connection. We have a whole contingent of Marines that show up. Some staff chiefs show up. Most of the union officials show up. Families show up um, at the Firefighters Monument. It's absolutely beautiful. It was built in the time of horse-drawn apparatus. It really is beautiful, and it's got some from very nice inspirational sayings on it. And all they do is the reading of the names. They welcome everybody. 
we stop at the at the those moments where the plane hit when the building collapsed. We stop for a moment of silence, and and they have a bunch of readers, guys, and officers and firefighters from the three different firehouses in the battalion. I think they may have expanded it. I'm not sure. And they simply come up one at a time and read, and every name is read with the name, and they ring the bell, bing, then they read the next name. And each man reads about 10 or 15 names and then moves on, and another firefighter comes up. Quite a moving experience. That's all that they do. There's a little music played and no interviews, no announcements, no IDs are given. I used to be the MC for the event until I retired. I don't say good morning. This is Chief John Salka. It was always good morning. Welcome to the Firefighters Monument. And to this day, no names are mentioned except for the firefighters that died that day. We read the names. And, and it's we've had as many as 8,000 firefighters at this monument on, on September well, 11th. And you don't have to go for our listeners just on September 11th. Anytime you're in New York City, remember that that location John gave you. Um, there's also there's also I, I know I took a picture, but the plate on the ground is a memorial to the to to the fire horses. To the horses, right in the front horses. of that monument. Several years later, they they put a a a, a, a stone, you know, an engraved stone in memory of and in memoriam of yeah. fire horses who did their duty and, and were faithful servants of the firefighters back then. Yeah. Very, well, if, very if impressive you're, place. If you're, if you're looking and you're in, you know, New York city, be, you know, you, you want to, you want to see something special. You can, you can go there and walk around and reflect. You can go to the Memorial down and, and, you know, the world trade center Memorial, you can go down there and, and, you know, walk the site and reflect and uh, uh, pay tribute at the fountains. Um, John, your memorial, um, you, you guys conduct your memorial in Washingtonville and explain briefly that whole memorial as well. Well, there was a, a, warrior, a memorial constructed in Washingtonville. It was up almost a year to the day on the anniversary of 9-11. Uh, the, the original group that started, which I was not part of, but I later became a part of that group and, and joined their efforts. Um, they did fundraising, they did planning, they did acquisition of the land from the village, designed the monument, had it ordered. And of course, the fundraising was a major part. It was over $100,000. They they sold the bricks. Each person got an engraved brick to, you know, to each of the five. We lost five firefighters in my little community. And we put a beautiful two-piece black granite monument up with bronze, five bronze FDNY leather helmets with their unit numbers on. Quite impressive. Along with that, on the ground, the bricks, the bricks were, were embedded in a concrete frame in the shape of a Maltese cross. And, it, and the bricks between the two pieces of monument as the walkway of heroes, and it's every cop, firefighter, EMS, any emergency worker that died that day. We get 417 bricks there, and we do, we do. There are actually a, a series of events that go on there. Every morning on 9/11, the JROTC from Washington High School appears there, and they take down the existing flag. They get a brand new flag and put a brand new flag up and lower it to half staff. Later in the morning, there's a retired FDNY firefighters running memorial service there, which is very well attended. Again, music and some inspirational talking. Um, and then later on in the day, in the evening, there's a candlelight ceremony, which this year is going to be expanded to include a, a video of the original 19-year-ago dedication of, of the monument with a state police flyover of helicopters and stuff like that. So it's going to be a, a very full year this year. But uh, well, great. And, and, and so we, we have to mention, though, buddy, too, you guys are in the process of putting the funds together to build a, a second memorial at the same site. Yes, um, the second monument is being constructed, being built. Uh, it's already designed and laid out, and it's going to be put on the same site, a little distance away from the original one. And it's in the shape, but smaller, 
of the original one. And it's going to have the names engraved on there of the firefighters from our community that are dying of post 9-11 illnesses, including my friend Ray Phillips. There are two detectives or, or maybe even three police officers on there now. And, and our group takes the names when, when names are submitted and we verify it with the police agency or the fire department that, that they, in fact, were there and all that. Uh, so we're in a process of funding and raising money and, and having the actual stone uh, constructed and cut to be put in there. Well, besides them actually just writing a check, if they just want to write a check, because, you know, obviously we never mentioned that. You can, if you want to don't make a donation, you can make a donation, but you guys are also selling 20th anniversary 9-11 coins for the memorial. Right, and, and the coins are specifically for that second monument, for that second piece of stone that we're putting up there. And if anybody wants to donate to this cause, there are no salaries, there are no, there's no money to anybody. The money goes into a community foundation fund and the only place that money goes is either maintenance of the monument, upgrade of the monument. Um, and in the case of these coins, this money is going to be used specifically to build and construct the new monument. And it is www.wbgny911.org. O-R-G. So that's the site. You can go in there. Once you get on there, you can either just donate or you can buy some coins and they're mailed out to you if you buy them. Uh, and that's a fundraising specifically to build a post 9-11 illness line of duty uh, monument. And, and again, uh, they're, they're $20, right? $20 coins. And we actually have some 10-year coins left over. We did the same thing in the 10-year anniversary. We have a small amount of 10-year coins as well left over. And they're $10. They're not even advertised on there. But uh, you, can, you can make a note on there. You can request a 10-year coin as well. Yeah, I, I remember mentioning on our show before. Because like myself, there's a lot of challenge coin collectors and, you know, some of them are for just departments. Some of them are for firefighters who have been lost. And here you can get the 20 year and the 10 year and have them side by side. So um, they got that website if they want. So, John, if they want any more, if they want to get a hold of you, whether it's teach a class or talk to you about the memorial and how they could donate. Uh, what's the we do this all the time. What's the what's the best email for you? Yeah, my email is Chief John Salta. One word, Chief John Salta at gmail.com and i'm chief lasky at gmail.com and john uh, you know and to our listeners look we always try to keep these 30 35 minutes 25 minutes long i think we've had a few 45 minutes i think there was just a couple this one uh, give or take we're at an hour but uh uh we're not going to apologize <laughs> um, no it's obviously uh for 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 a very special remembrance uh 20 years uh coming up 20 years uh, since, since uh, you know, everything happened in New York City and in Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon and in Shanksville and the loss of life all at all three locations. And then those we've lost since then. Um, you know, John and I always ask you um, at, at the end of all of our podcasts uh, to please keep the men and women in our armed forces and your thoughts and prayers. And then we always end it with never forgetting means just that, never forgetting Please uh, spread the word. Remember those that were taken from us. Um, try to be a better firefighter. Try to be a better officer. Try to really live up to what we said earlier to, to, the, to the kind of firefighter and officer that you say you are and think you are. Uh, be a little bit nicer to each other. Mentor a little bit better. Take care of the young firefighters. They're the future. Um, we hope to see you in one of our up-and-coming programs and uh, one of our classes. Uh, if, if you want to see anything about that, uh, you can catch us at on our in our websites. Uh, we post them there, calendars, you know, our social media stuff. But with that, we, we can't thank you enough for, for joining us, especially for this very special show. Um, that being said, 
Be careful out there. Take care of each other and God bless you. Thank you.